And it wasn't that, back then, this, there was different. It wasn't like in, in Corinth, there was like 15 different churches, right? So we're just starting out here, and he says, to the church in Corinth, right? And so we see that in, in, in geographical location, based off of your geographical location, these people were gathering, and they were known as the church at Corinth. And, and it doesn't, it, it's a subcategory of the universal church. And, and so they were plugged into their local body, and it was specific to their region and territory. And I'm sure they all had, just based off of the letters to the churches in the book of Revelation, they all had their problems, they, but they all had their giftings, and they all had their purposes in that region uh, for their time. Moving on to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14, we see the next point I'm going to be making, that the body is not one member, but many. And so, <laughs> this, is a, this is a funny illustration I have for you guys, but just based off of that passage here and, 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 and trying to hammer on this point of, like, this is not an option, right? So in college... Uh, me and my buddy would be distracted from our studies with all sorts of things, but one of our favorite things, what my roommate, uh, was a video game called Splinter Cell. And I, I don't know if any of you have played that game, but it's a cool game, okay? So you're this elite force with missions that you have to go accomplish, and typically, like, it's in, like, the pitch black, okay? So you're going into compounds and doing all kinds of crazy things. And... The, the reason we loved this game was because we didn't play it online. We played with each other just in the room, and it would be, you were a team. So it was like you're working together. It's like you have, like, your loadout of, like, certain weapons and guns and things like that, and then he had his that he could choose. Um, and, and we both were, were good at different things, but you had to work together to get the mission done. And so... what. <laughs> We'd be, you know, it'd be 1 a.m. or whatever, and we're doing this mission, and we get slap happier and whatnot, and so sometimes, like, I just decide to throw the mission out and just, like, the whole point is that you have to be quiet, right? And so you have to be quiet. You're trying to, to, to do certain things and sneak around and take people out um, to, to accomplish this mission, and so you're, you're sneaking around. You're crouching. You're doing all the kinds of things and, and, and taking people out, but at some point, it was like, you just get impatient because sometimes you had to like sit there and just wait for something uh, to be able to do something else. So then I just like run out, run out in the open, like literally guns a blazing, like just take like, and then, but then I get shot and killed. And then he's like mad at me because he's the last one left and he has to do it by himself. And what I learned by that, the first time I did that, we're both cracking up, but then he's alone and he's trying to further this mission. And he comes to a point where there is this point where you have to vault the other person up to get into a window. So I'm dead on the ground, and, and he is coming to this point where he needs me, and he can't accomplish his mission because I just went out on a limb as a lone soldier and said, I'm just going to do this by myself. Well, now he's there by himself. We had to restart. So, so I, I know that not everyone can relate to the video game analogy, but, but what I'm getting at here is that there is no such thing as a lone soldier a rogue soldier, a soldier that is um, on his own, with his own mission. He feels like he has his own special calling. I mean, like, imagine in, like, the real-life military. Like, we as, as Christians in the body of Christ, we have, we, you know, it's just to put on the full armor of God, like the helmet of truth. So, so it's likened to, like, we are the army, of, uh, uh, um, we are the, army of, of the living God, right? And so imagine, like, in the real military, 
if you had a soldier that, that was like just running around doing whatever he wants, like, oh, I'm going to be part of this, this uh, you know, well, I'm kind of annoyed with you, so I'm going to go over here and join them. i got to switch out my patch. Or, or you're just running out there in the open and you get yourself killed. So there's, there's, no, there's no, no that organization, that, that purpose, that um, working towards a common goal. And then there's no authority. There's no authority telling you and, and, and organizing you to accomplish this mission in togetherness and in unity. I mean, that's just not how it works. Um, even when, when, a, when a soldier goes AWOL, it, I mean, it, it, it puts the rest of the people at risk. And so we see in verse 14 that for the body is not one member, but many. And we see also, this is not just a need for each other and fulfilling our purpose and duty, like with that military analogy, but it's a command to not forsake the gathering of the saints. Because when you're alone, you're not gathered with the saints, right? When you're by yourself, you're one member, you're not in the body. I mean, you're, you're part of the body, but you're not with the body. I mean, you might be a thumb, uh, but you are not with the body, you're not assembled. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. So he was aware of some who were forsaking the assembly. And he, he goes on to say, but encouraging one another. So, so now we're going to get into why is it important that we're gathering together encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's people, I don't know how you can conclude the fact that you can do it alone, and especially as the day is drawing near, and no matter your, your end times, your eschatological viewpoints, we can all agree that, that we've been in the end times, and, and regardless of if, if Christ is returning in eight years or in 2,000 years, the day is drawing near because time is going on, right? So even the more so as the day is drawing near, not forsaking our assembling together, encouraging one another. You can't do that alone. And the assembling together, the question might come up, what were they doing when they were assembling together? So what would, what would define proper assembly or, or proper, uh, uh, what would define what they were doing? So we, we look to the early church to see what they were doing. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So we, we model our fellowship and our assembly off of scriptures of what we see done in scripture. In Roman Catholicism, part of the problem is that for the, the 300 years before the, the canon of scripture was assembled and then before the mass printing press was made in the 1400s, uh, a lot of it was oral tradition. And so you had traditions of man creeping in and held as core doctrines. But then when you actually get the printing press, I mean, the, the Reformation happened like 150 years later or 100 years later, you, you read it for yourself and you see what were they doing when they were assembling together. And, and that's our mandate. That's our calling. That's, that's our purpose and what, what we are called, what we have to do for each other. So they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. I mean, imagine like this rogue soldier analogy, does that sound like they're devoted? Does that sound like they're devoted to the teaching of the apostles? I mean, the ones who were put over the church in each of these various places? It, it's, it doesn't sound devoted to me. To the teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
So there's no such thing as a lone soldier. If we move on to, to, to verse 15, it says, If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. In verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body. You read that again. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So again, we see that the church is a non-negotiable. This idea of a lone Christian with a separate mission is, is really foreign to what we see here in the Bible. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, we see, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So do you think that apart from the body that you could serve one another? Right, so so First Peter, he this is these are mandates, these are instructions of how we are to serve and love one another. It says, "You have received a special gift," and in the passage I just read from verse fifteen onward, we see that we're all made individually. We all have our own fingerprint, but like with regards to who you are. So I'm using that as like a you're you're, you're unique. You're needed, you're necessary, you're different. You, you each have a special gift that others need. I, I need each and every one of you just as each of you need every one of all of us and me. And so, the, the, so when we ignore these mandates, these are instructions, we are in disobedience to God. It says to employ these gifts. You've received a special gift. Employ it, use it. I didn't give you these gifts to sit at home and complain about the hypocrisy of the church, I mean, that's, that's just downright sin. It's sinful, and you need to repent, and you need to get plugged into the local church. You can't just say that you're part of the universal church because what we see all throughout the New Testament church is that they were plugged into the local church. There is nothing to be said for a Christian who was not plugged into a local church. And, and they, even, they took it so seriously that you belong to, to a local church that the apostles at the time, if someone was moving they would write them a letter of commendation to vouch for the person's integrity and the realness of their faith, the authenticity of their faith. To say, you, you, I, I attest to this person's salvation, and please accept this person as a member of your local body. And so we're in disobedience when we, God gives us special gifts. If, if in fact, you've been baptized in the Spirit of God, indwelt with the Spirit of God, and given a special gift from God, and you decide to not use it, you're in direct opposition to the purpose of God and his instructions to his people. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, again, in verse 21, we can pick up on the next point. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Do, do any of you feel like a, a part of the body that you don't like? Or do you, do you look at another part of the body and think you don't like them? It does, is that, does that feel or sound familiar? Is there someone that maybe you 
try to avoid a little bit? Or maybe you find them annoying. Is that, is that the case at all for anybody here? Let's continue. I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, verse 22, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are what? Indispensable. That's a powerful word. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, I mean, my goodness, on those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. We're here to serve and to bestow honor upon one another. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body. Look, look at this. God has so composed the body. This isn't like we just started to do this and we thought it was good to do this, to, to operate in this manner. God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. That's our purpose, one of our purposes. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another. And then get this, build up one another, just as you also are doing. I mean, imagine if it was like every week you came and it was in your mind to build up one another. And not just the people that you liked or thought were honorable or presentable or more desirable, but the person who might need it the most, to build up one another just as you also are doing. We also see the need for one another in James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another so that you may be healed and that the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. So if the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, then it must mean that it needs him, right? And for these purposes that we're reading, I mean, we have to confess and repent of our sins to one another just for accountability purposes, not because that person can offer forgiveness, but because when we're held accountable to one another, uh, not only is it that's how it's laid out in Scripture is how we have to do it, but it helps to bear one another's burdens, which, which is what we're about to get into. In verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Okay, so... Each individual part of the body of Christ, with Christ as the head, it would then make sense that if one member suffers, we all suffer. And, and, and I could attest to the fact that that's the case. Um, uh, here's another point. Uh, if you feel as though, or if you don't actively practice sharing your issues, or your, what you're struggling with in life, or your prayer needs, I mean... That in and of itself, like, you're not allowing the body to suffer with you. Like, we are here to serve and love and be there for you and with you and through these things with you. And so we have to be open about what we're going through. And it, I wasn't even planning on saying this. Like, I thought, like, maybe I shouldn't say this because, like, it might come off as, like, oh, like, you just want to share that, like, something crazy is going on. Like, last night, Leah had a seizure, and I'm in the hospital till. I got home at like 4 a.m. And like we're, she has like, like head stuff on and she's not sleeping and she's crying all night, getting all these tests done. 
And it's like, I, I'm now, now I'm convicted. Like, I didn't plan on saying this, but I'm reading this. I'm like, I'm convicted to not say, say that, right? Like, this happened last night. Like, maybe you guys all could. There's a lot of you here. Let's bear this together. Like, let's suffer together. You could pray for me when you think about it. And so, like, let's start with that. Like, how about I, I don't feel like, like, because I'm questioning myself, well, will they think that I'm just trying to get attention? Well, of course not. Like, are you kidding me? So I'm going to share these things, and maybe that would be an example for, like, what we should do for each other. And, and we can find refuge with each other and, and, and love and comfort one another. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. So what comes of bearing one another's burdens? Fulfilling the law of Christ. Because we're loving one another. Jesus said that he didn't come to... No, let me think again. I didn't, I didn't even prepare to say this part, but... Um, what did he say about... Like, on... What did he say where he said this... It, it, um, the law and the prophets hangs on this, that you love one another. Like, what, like that, that passage, for some reason I'm blanking on that. I know that by heart, but um, we fulfill the law of Christ when we love God and we love his people. That's my point. Great the great commandment. So we can do so. We can practice that actively by bearing one another's burdens. In, in verse 28, it goes on, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. So we see that God did not just gather and place his people, demonstrate the membership to a local church, and then leave it be, right? So he spent time with the apostles. He taught them. They were raised up under him. They were his disciples, and so they learned from him, and they, they operated in a specific way. And so there's a government. This isn't a disorderly thing. There has to be some rules, right? There has to be some common understanding of how to operate, and we see also the uniqueness of each of us as individuals that he, God has appointed in the church, apostles, prophets, teachers. There's miracles, gifts of healing, helps and administrations, and all these things. And that, he, that there's these offices that God fills. And we see in the New Testament, the example is that God appointed elders over the church to, to preach the word faithfully for God's glory. And that there were deacons that served the body of Christ where the elders didn't have enough time or couldn't do so as well because we're all different. We all have our different gifts. And so we're charged to teach. We're not just supposed to worship him rightly. We have to teach sound doctrine rightly. We also have to correct each other and rebuke each other, and that's, that's a loving thing. That as, as awkward as that can be, it's a loving thing. And that's how we also mobilize. I mean, if there was no direction, if there was no course, I mean, Pastor Meadows is a lead pastor for a reason. That he has a pulse on the community here in Medina, and he can use that information to direct our path 
in a way that he feels as though God is calling us to serve the community, love the community in a specific way, right? So we're the universal church, but we're the local church of Medina and that we have special purposes and ways that we can operate to be a blessing to our community in a specific way. And we have to raise up each other into maturity in Christ. So how do we do all these things? How do we, now that we can see that all of these things are a non, it it implies that the church is non-negotiable. I mean, I'm going to ask the questions again. How is it that you could assemble by yourself, encourage one another alone, even the more so as the day is drawing near? Devote yourself to yourself. The apostles' teaching, are you under authority, teaching faithfully the word? How can you fellowship? How can you break bread? How could you, you can pray alone, but we are supposed to also communally pray and then serve one another, encourage one another, build one another up, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another. I already said that. So we see that we have to devote ourselves to what God has ordained for his church We have to devote ourselves to each other. And so that's a commitment issue. The reason I chose this topic of the church being a non-negotiable is because I think it's very pertinent to the society we currently live in. The consumer-driven, self-centered, please-me society, right? And we're all that way. I mean, if you don't like something, you go get it somewhere else. If you don't like music, you just hit the skip, right? If someone annoys you, go get a different friend. I mean, it it translates into all areas of life, this capitalistic, self-serving society, which it's not a bad thing necessarily. It's when it's for the wrong things, when it's applied to the wrong things. So this this is a commitment issue because we are so ingrained with this consumerism that we feel as though we could either be a lone soldier or we could be not committed. There, so not only is there no room for a lone soldier, but there's also no room for the... There's an example of a, of a friend I had, and he's not going to listen to this, I guarantee. He's not going to listen to this. But he was telling me about a church in our area that I should check out. And this was before I found New Hill. And he goes, yeah, it's perfect for like, you know, like when you just want to like pop in, pop out, not be noticed, like because you're stupid, so busy. And I just, like mind blown, like what are you talking about? Like that is not the church. You are not a part of that church. It's not your church. So not only have we seen that the church is the body of Christ, it's not a building, okay? It's, it's, it's us. So it's not your church, right? You are the church, okay? So when you're thinking that you can, like, find a church that's so busy and hectic that you can just pop in, I mean, none of these scriptures could be obeyed if that was the case. I mean, you, you come in once every two weeks, once every three weeks. There's no commitment. There's no service, There's no commitment to one another. There's no bearing one another's burdens. It's because we're just in and out, right? I mean, it's if that goes on too long, I mean, you're either the lone soldier or you're the popping in and out consumer. And then not only is it a commitment issue, it's a humility issue because it's an authority issue. You won't subject yourself to authority. And now not not everyone who doesn't plug into a local church is is, uh, scared of authority, but it does contribute to that. We live in a society that tells you you don't have to have authority. I mean, it's taught in in the households when parents won't be a parent. 
It's taught in schools. I mean, it's, it's indoctrinated into our children that you can be your own authority, that you can determine your own right and wrong. And so that does, in fact, impact and translate into our submission to the local church. There's a, there's a hesitation or a, like an immediate withdrawal from this idea of submitting to authority. Which is interesting that, that I'm being voted on in like six hours to be an authority, but it's an authority issue. It's a humility issue because the authority instructs, right? We see that the elders are to faithfully preach the word of God. And so it's a humility issue because we don't want to be instructed. We think that we can interpret it for ourselves, which is sometimes the case. And then we are to correct one another. And then here, we're, all of this ties into the fact that we are supposed to love one, one another. And so that's a fellowship issue. Like, I've heard, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard, I'm just an introvert. Or like, I don't like people. Or I just, I'm just uncomfortable. I just don't know what to say. I'm like, look, I'm sorry that that's your problem, but like, that's your problem. It is, it is, because there's no room for that. Like, these, these instructions are not laid out, and then it says, but unless you like Facebook more than people. Like, the joke, <laughs> at the end of that, it says JK, Right? That was a joke that Mark made this week. He, said, he was arguing with me over something, and he said, oh, yeah, at the end of the passage, it just says JK, because he disagreed with me. So these instructions aren't laid out, and then it says, just kidding. There, there's no room for an individual's personality that doesn't mesh with other people, right? It's like, I don't know how else to say it, but to get over it. And, and, and what I've also told people who don't like to be around other people, there's someone... Um, I don't have to say who it is. I, I just told them, I said, just, just go. Just wake up and go. I mean, you go to work at 8 a.m. We're here at 10. So go and then just sit. Like, I literally said, like, I, I, I'm not kidding. This is exactly the advice I gave this individual. I said, sit. And just sit there. I said, you don't have to go and talk to people. I said, but, but be there. Just be there. And then commit. Right? Because we're talking about it's a commitment issue. It's a non-negotiable. So we have to do this. So just commit to do that week after week after week after week after week. And don't stop. Do not stop because you're not allowed, <laughs> you're not allowed to stop. You're, you're honestly are not. We're not supposed to forsake the gathering of the saints. And that's part of the problem we had. Um, sorry to touch on such a sensitive topic, but with COVID, I mean, that's part of it, right? But anyways, I told this person, just sit. And I said... And then don't just like dip out at the end. I said, just keep sitting. Like, like maybe leave like once half the people are gone. Just do it. Like just sit there. Just look at the screen. And, and like that is all I would tell you to do. And guess what? If that's your weakness, there are other people who are very strong with that. Okay, I will tell you that my initial inclination is to want to, to just be by myself and withdraw. Like I'm a very like in my head, I just want to be alone. And so there's other people who are stronger with that, and, I, and I'm learning from them, and, and they make up for my weaknesses. You know, they can come and ask me about my day, and, like, it's not that hard to be like, it's, you know, it's good. And so of all these things, like, I just want us to be cognizant of the culture 
and the way that it impacts us. That these are mandates, these are not options. And if we are not committed to the local church, we have to seriously think about why. You have to come up biblically and give me a reason why. I don't know where it would be. Because if it's not here, it, this isn't like, come join us. But if it's not here, there would have to be a valid reason. The, the, the word of God would have to not be being faithfully preached or something else that is seriously. So when I was a younger Christian, I would find a lot of issues with, with things that are not necessarily like core issues, right? So we talk about core issues. If on those core issues, something seriously is wrong, even then you're not allowed to just leave. You have to sit that person down and have a discussion. Why? Because, because that's how we are supposed to do it. You, you, you talk to your brother. If they won't listen, you bring two, two or three. If they won't listen, you bring it to the church. Then you're free to go. That is the only time that you're free to go. I'm just being honest. If you sign the membership covenant and you want to leave for a reason that's not a core doctrinal issue, that, that man is depraved, deserving of sin, that God is holy, that he appointed a people, that he sent his son, he indwelt the God-man, he came in obedience to the will of the Father to die on the cross as a substitutionary penal sacrifice for the sins of his people, and that those who repent will be saved, and that they will be kept. That's the gospel, okay? And so all these, uh, there's a lot of other things that don't compromise that gospel. I will just use again the example, because I keep picking on Mark, this is the third time, but uh, Pastor Mark, uh, we disagree on a lot of things, a lot. But we don't disagree on, I mean, we even disagree on the church, some things in the church and, and end times, uh, but we don't disagree on things that are core to the gospel. Now, it all is the gospel, some of these non-core issues are still interpretations of the gospel. It's the gospel. But unless there is a core issue with, with the things, the, the way that God works through humanity to save his people, and that, that God is triune, he's three persons, he gave himself for his people, and, and how you're saved, then, then there really is you, there, this whole, it's, it's not a biblical thing to, to just disappear. It's not. You can't find it in Scripture. And uh, there's process, right? And so then if we disagree on things, and we can decide to part ways, but um, God has laid it out, how his church is structured, how it's going to operate, how we're to love one another, be there for one another. And then he also clarifies how to, how to deal with disagreements like that. And so I would hope that you guys are encouraged this morning um, I'll tell you, with, with my honesty in the, the day, the past 24 hours that I've had, um, it honestly, it was a very, it was a good thing to be here this morning for me. It was, it was, I was looking forward to it because you guys love on me so well. Um, you're there for me. Uh, you're gracious to me. And even like as my mind is, you know, kind of foggy right now, um, I know that you guys have grace for me and, and you guys... Um, you know, it's just good to be in the presence of, of, of God's people, communally worshiping him. Um, you know, I trust, I trust that God will still have his way in our worship, in our word, um, regardless of my state. And um, it's just good to see everyone and, and to fellowship with one another. I hope that this challenges you. This is nothing personal for anybody. This is just what the word of God says, how he lays it out. And um, 
yeah, so be encouraged with that this morning, uh, and I'll, I'll pray re- with, with that. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that uh, you would work in your people's hearts. God, I pray that you were glorified this morning, that, that your people would see better the instructions we've been given on how to serve you, how to, how to be your body, that we, we submit to you as the head of the body, and we want to do your will. We want to do your will on this earth. We want to continue the ministry that you started. We want to continue that until the day that you return. We want to be faithful. We want to be committed. We want to be devoted. We want to submit to your authority. We want to to fellowship with one another and bear one another's burdens as well. And, And in that, fulfilling the law of God. So we pray these things in your name. Amen.